0: Hey everyone, this is Nate Scott and this is the For The Win Podcast. You're home to everything that's buzzing in the world of sports. It is a bittersweet edition of the For The Win Podcast today. I believe it will probably be my last edition of the For The Win Podcast. Maybe I'll do another one on Friday. We'll talk to Ted about that. My, my guest today is, or I guess, I don't know. Am, are you my guest? Am I your guest? What's happening here?
1: I, I think I'm still your guest.
0: Okay, this is still mine. Yeah. Just, all right, this is, this is the handoff podcast um I, I don't know why anyone would know this but this week will be my last week at for the win it's been an absolutely uh, amazing experience here i'm gonna i'm sure i'm gonna blubber on about it all podcast but uh taking over the for the win podcast is going to be my freaking frequent guest and colleague ted berg and I, I wanted to have him on to to talk about this this transition which i hope is peaceful and not a, a bloody a bloody transition i hope no one dies as a result of this
1: my plan is to butter you up and act like I'm really appreciative of the podcast and the work you've done here today. And then, like, on Tuesday, the first one I do, uh, or whenever the first one I do, when, when you've left, I'm just going to rip you to shreds. So <laughs> just throw uh, you... So you can know that now. Yeah, now, that mean...
0: Nate's, now that Nate's gone, yeah, I'm going to... Man,
1: I'm glad we got rid of that guy.
0: <laughs> the, the airing of grievances. It will just be an hour of Ted talking yeah. about everything that was terrible about it was just
1: the... like picking apart things you wrote from like four <laughs> years ago like why did nate like this song
0: it's terrible oh man well we're going to talk about some i just released my 50 albums of the year we'll talk a little bit about it's the them.
1: albums of the year it's just yep. it's a very it's a very bold endeavor
0: it, I think I, I'm tired from writing it, but uh, yeah. we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk a little bit about Bryce Harper and maybe Jeets because Ted's a baseball guy, and not not the only thing he loves. And but first, I <laughs> I just I I want to I want to introduce the world to Ted. Ted, uh, who are you?
1: Uh, I am a, uh, a man of uh, who writes about stuff on the internet. Is mostly what I do. Uh, I. I am from New York. I live in New York. I'm married. I I, I have a new Christmas tree. I don't know. I, I, what do you want to know?
0: Um, first, I want to know, what do you go with with Christmas tree? Do you go classy? Do you go overstated, understated? How do you decorate?
1: Um. Oh no. Uh. Not classy. This is actually a, a big. Uh, it's a a source of contention in my marriage because oh. I think my wife would love a you know a very classy and understated Christmas tree. We have a beautiful tree. We went up to Vermont this weekend and actually got one like freshly cut down for us. Uh. So it's kind of too big for my apartment, which is tiny. Uh. But it's it's gorgeous. It smells amazing because it's so freshly cut. Uh, And we haven't decorated it yet, but I am all about uh, colorful lights, big lights. We got some of the ones that that bubble, you know, like the little candle ones with with bubblers. Uh, We got some ones that that twinkle. And uh, our ornaments are mostly like a collection of sort of the garish things we both picked up, uh, you know, growing up, whatever ornaments were given to us. And and we've since gotten – so we've got, you know, some – some uh, plenty of baseball-themed ornaments. Those tend to be mine. Uh, some Elvis ones, you know, all over the map. Uh, but I am all about. I think Christmas trees uh, should be a celebration, right? And it's fun. It's not supposed to be a classy scene. Like it's Christmas. It's kind of a ridiculous thing, I, you know. You know, uh, at least the way we celebrate it. And and I kind of want it uh, as garish as possible. We gotta. We have a ridiculous-looking. Uh, star it's a light up star for the top of the tree and i know that it my wife does not enjoy it but i love how uh horrible it looks it just looks <laughs> it's truly crappy and that is what i like about it
0: dude so um my future wife i call it i don't like the term fiance um so i go with future wife okay um <laughs> i just think it fiance sounds, it's so- a
1: little bit it's a little bit creepier that way though well right? fiance it sounds,
0: sounds pompous, and future wife sounds like a badass kind of superhero sort of thing. Or maybe like no, Terminator. No, but
1: it kind of sounds like maybe she's not into you yet and you've just like identified her
0: <laughs> a as a target.
1: Advice. And like she has not agreed, but you're like, that's my future wife. Oh. So, that's how it reads to me. So I'd just be uh, cautious about, make it clear that she is betrothed to you.
0: Well, she has agreed to marry me, and she right. is future wife. And went we went she, you know she won the battle we went total uh it, like it, it looks like off pinterest our our tree it's very yeah, that's it's,
1: exactly that's exactly how it would go here it's it gorgeous be, yeah. i
0: mean right, it's a yeah. beautiful it's pristine all the ornaments it's it's a unified theme I, I i i appreciate it i love the way it looks when i wake up in the morning and i'm having my coffee and there's a tree you know it looks nice but at the same time you know i grew up with like We'd stick stuffed animals and like dogs. You and I were just gonna riff on stuff for an hour, and just kind of just have conversations like we just had about the Christmas tree. Um, that idea sort of sputtered, and then you ended up becoming the host of the Walk Off podcast, uh, our USA Today Sports Major League Baseball podcast, and so that sort of faltered. But I'm glad you're coming back into the fold, and I don't know what what are you hoping to what are you hoping to do with this thing? What, what are you? hoping? To, uh,
1: man, that's a tough kicking question. the old tires. You know, I've been thinking about it a lot. It's not for lack of uh, contemplation on the subject, but, you know, it's tough to kind of... Uh, one thing that's important to me, and, you know, I want to... It's been a general sports podcast, and I don't want to... My, my If it was just me talking exactly what I want to be talking about sports uh, would be I would lean so heavily into baseball that I would feel like I would alienate a lot of people who might be subscribing for for the the broad swath you paint here you
0: know you would also probably get fired if you talked about everything you really wanted to talk about with sports. That
1: is 100% true. 100% <laughs> true. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, if it, if it were just Ted unfiltered, it would last like mm, seven minutes before <laughs> I got fired. Right. So, um, so, but you know, it will be Ted filtered, but you know, it's very important to me and, and, it, and it always has. And, and I think that, uh, I hope that this is sort of the way, uh, certain elements of our business and our coverage are, are trending. Uh, it used to be, you know in the in the day of the the newspaper general columnist where people sort of either you know maintained or uh, pretended toward you know expertise in all subjects and like i I don't want to pretend like I know everything there is to know about college football. I just don't, you know, but there are certainly topics in college football that are going to come up that I find interesting. So for me, I would say, you know, from for, for this podcast, it's a one important thing is I, I'm, I'm going to be real with people uh, because that is – I have found uh, from, I don't know, 10 years of writing on the internet, the best way to not have to cover for yourself later is to just be honest straight straight up, say, you know, I don't really know uh, this subject or I do really know this subject and uh, talk from expertise where I have it and not where I don't. Uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a curious guy, I think. So, you know, there will certainly be many, you know, topical things that come up that I find interesting sort of from a, a larger standpoint, I think, than, you know, reacting to the game or, or you know, straight up previewing what's going to happen in the Super Bowl. I'm more into the Super Bowl as a spectacle, you know, so mm-hmm. uh, I would I would expect um, to be. You know using this podcast in that way to sort of talk about the uh, I don't want to say larger themes because it sounds so pretentious but uh, different things you know different things than maybe the straightforward sports talk aspects of it which I know uh, obviously you've done and and you and I have done here as as well plenty uh, you know t- talking about you know elements beyond you know just what happened on the field because I think re- ultimately if you really want to know what happened in an NBA basketball game uh, there are way 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 better places to find that information, then from me. I, I can I can watch the game, and you know, I'm not I'm not a dumb person, right? <laughs> so I, I can I can figure out what happened, but I'm not going to tell you like the intricacies of you know what defense each team was playing because I'm not a trained NBA mind, right? It's just not something I have in my my skill set. So you know whether that's you know means bringing someone on who can talk about that or bringing someone on who can talk about, you know, some more, uh, uh, general interest type aspects of the game. I think I'm going to try to do that. And I think I'll also look to do, uh, sort of, you know, fun evergreen things as well. Uh, I I'm actually hoping, you know, uh, the band who records the, the, the opening song for this podcast, goodnight, Texas, yep. uh, one of their members is a friend of mine. They're in town on Friday in New York, and so I'm—I haven't actually contacted them about this, so I don't want to tease it if it's not going to happen. <laughs> I know they're busy tease away. And it's—it's—it's it's, it's like the tail end of like a month and a half long tour, so they're probably exhausted. But I, I'm hoping to uh, to catch up with those guys. Uh, For a podcast. We've been meaning to have
0: them on for three years now.
1: And they're huge sports fans. You know, so like like I know the guy I know I play baseball with sometimes he's really good. Uh, And I know that they go like when they're on tour, they find uh, they find Little League fields and play home run derby during the day, like as a way to like, you know, have fun and not just be lost in their in their music world. So I want to talk to those guys about. Uh, baseball and music, which has a lot of overlap, you know, so uh, I'd like to sort of uh, aim towards stuff like that as well, where where are applicable. Uh, but mostly, I kind of, you know, I probably just want to figure it out as it goes along, right? I've got things to say, it, it feels like uh, people tend to find it entertaining when I talk about stuff. So uh, I'm going to try to do that and make something fun for people to listen to, I think, would be the goal.
0: We should also say that, um, and I'm really excited for this, too, that Hamil Javeri, who's our uh, video editor and, and one of the editors at For the Win, and also Jesse Karangu, who's one of our new hires here, are going to be helping out on the production side, which...
1: And Hamil's going to host some, too. Yes. Uh, and and that's great, because Hamil is uh, one of my favorite people to talk to from work. She has lots of interesting things to say.
0: Yep. And um Himmel's been on the podcast a bit talking about the NHL. She's fantastic. She's also a frequent guest on NPR talking NHL, which is awesome. And um uh, She I'm has d- a
1: good NPR voice. She's great like, she's NPR sort of like voice. back of the beat, you know? Like she's she's chilled out. We do we are
0: not <laughs> made you and I are not made for NPR.
1: No, 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 I'm not made for I'm made for like, you know, running a, a New York City deli.
0: <laughs> but hey,
1: what do you want? Yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm walking here. Um right. It. it but I, I, I am psyched for that because I I think that one thing that has been holding the show back just a little bit is that I'm sort of been flying solo, and, th- and that has nothing to do with resources or anything. It was just more that uh, that was always the way I sort of was comfortable working, and I wanted to be able to, to keep the show nimble, and it was just always easier for me to do it myself. But at the same time, I, I think that that sort of held me back a little bit and held the show, not held me back, held the show back, and, and sort of because I was pride and didn't want to schedule with other people i just sort of did the whole thing myself but i'm hoping that Hemel and jesse will really help add video elements and and you know make sure the show's promoted and has a has a great launch pad to and every chance to succeed which i think it will so shout out yeah, shouts um- to them
1: Definitely shout out to them. Jesse's fairly new, you know, so I haven't I don't know him as well as I know Hamill, but he seems like an awesome dude. Uh, very, very excited and not like yeah, he's younger than us. Right. So maybe not yet. Impossibly. Body, young. Impossibly. Not, quite, young, but not he's, quite yet. Body slammed by the world, I would say. <laughs> he,
0: he will add that that little bit of hope that you will yeah, then that very, you will then crush and uh that will
1: be the goal that's the long-term goal of this podcast <laughs> is to find all of the young people we work because now because we work with a lot of people that are well younger than us Yes. and they are so full of life and spirit you know and so we'll have you know andrew and alicia on here and i will see if i can make them see all of the darkness that exists in this world
0: <laughs> just beat them down one yeah. you know one one podcast segment at a time i really <laughs> i really enjoy that all right well well that's it basically so uh we're going to actually talk about sports now, but I, I just wanted to say briefly to get a little cheesy. Thanks to everyone who who's, who's listened and to For The Win for giving me the opportunity and USA Today, uh, the podcast network here, for giving me the opportunity to kind of experiment and try things out. And, and it's been really great. And I'm just I'm just so appreciative and, and no real news on what's happening for me next. But uh, reach out on Twitter or whatever, and, and I'm sure I'll have news on that at some point. So.
1: Anyway, and you've done a you've done a good job, you know. Congratulations, and uh, you were something of a pioneer for for our podcasts, I believe, and uh, I think you you've uh, taken this in a in a good direction.
0: Yeah, well, thanks, man. Thanks. I I, I do cool. remember I pitched it for about a year, and no one told me I could do it, and then. Our old boss Mike Foss was like, "Just do it and don't tell anyone." And that's how the started. Yeah, that's world. the
1: best way to get things done. And that's <laughs> that's I've, that's every job I've ever had. You know, everybody. That's a one piece of life advice I will give you. If you think, oh. if you've got the time to do something and you want to do something, just start doing it and see. If, if you think it's going to be good and you're putting your earnest effort into it, just go out and do the thing you think is a good idea and and see what happens. And then if people like it, they you know they'll be like, "Oh yeah, glad you did that."
0: Yep and and bosses of the world i think that's an under under i don't think it, like a, a lot of management schools teach that 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 tactic i think it's a great tactic the, yeah man just go do it just yeah. go do it and don't tell anyone about it that's an amazing tactic
1: <laughs> i mean the best the best piece of career advice i've ever gotten and it's a little bit of a cliche but it's 100 too uh it is always easier to apologize later than to ask for permission now yep and uh, right so uh you know forgiveness and, and, is yeah.
0: easier than permission
1: Right. So, uh, you know, keep that in mind. I would keep that in mind in, in literally all fields. You know, like it's just, yeah, If you think if, because ultimately if you think you're doing the the good job, right, you're invested in it. How could anyone really be mad about that?
0: By the way, guys, Ted and I are both bloggers in our 30s. So maybe don't listen to
1: this. Advice. No, no, I got it. I got it. I got it pretty good, right? Like,
0: oh, no, we got it uh, great. I'm just kidding. Yeah. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Everyone do listen to that advice. Try stuff. Good things happen. All right, life. All right, life. Talk over. No one wants to hear this stuff. I don't think. No.
1: Um, I'm gonna turn this show into like a like a Joel Osteen inspirational <laughs> speaking, like motivation. So like you can do it. That's what this show is gonna be about. You can do it. it may be the change you want to see in this world.
0: Quit your job. Don't listen to your boss. Yeah. You can do it. Don't listen to that advice. Um, anyway, let's talk about a little bit of baseball, and then a little bit of music, okay? Yeah. First, baseball. Uh, New York Yankees are retiring Derek Jeter's number. Didn't see it coming.
1: <laughs> I can't believe they didn't retire. Like I, and I'm here, right? Like I cover all of these events, and, and I can't believe that that didn't happen. I feel like I've already attended Derek Jeter's <laughs> number of retirements. I mean, like maybe even three or four times. They just do right? it so it's every like, every, do you- every few months. Yeah. Well, what do you mean they haven't retired Derek Jeter? Like, I, they didn't just like like cast it off into the heavens when when he retired? Uh, I was I was sh- I was kind of surprised. I was really, like actually. Even though I, I am certain that had it happened already, I would have been there, I just kind of felt like I had been there. Uh, and and apparently I wasn't. Apparently they had not yet retired Derek Jeter's number. Um, but it's funny because, you know, it's not happening until May 14th. Uh, so if I am like a young Yankee, I'm campaigning to get number two for like the first month <laughs> and a half of the season.
0: Yeah. Uh- I, I wanna issue a formal dare to any sports writer out there or personality. I want someone to try and write the argument that maybe Jeter shouldn't have his number retired.
1: Just someone just, someone will try No one that. will do
0: that. No one will do that. I, I someone don't will.
1: Someone will write. And I've written because I, I was pretty hard on the Derek Jeter is is overrated train for a while, <laughs> you know, and, and I do kind of think that in many ways he was an extremely overrated player just because he was basically the most famous baseball guy in his era and just by no means the the best baseball player of his era. Uh, a very good guy and a very, and a Hall of Famer. I think the thing with the Yankees' retired numbers, where it, it sort of defies the hot take, is the Yankees retire everybody's number. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's true. Like, they, they just don't it, – teams have – that that standard is sort of all over the map. Uh, and not only are the Yankees, you know, the, the team with the most history and the most great players in their history, they're also one of the teams that sort of plays it loosest with the retired numbers. So they're going to run out. Like they're just gonna run out of numbers, and so it makes it really hard to say, oh, you can't retire Jeter's number. When you look through some of the numbers the Yankees have retired, and you're like, ah, that guy. You know, and so, so you, yeah, it just, it's, it's a tough one. Like if it were, I think if it were one of these teams with like the really stringent standards, uh, and and I'm not thinking of any offhand that are like only only a Hall of Famer, then even in that case. It, He's a Hall of Famer. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame. Played his whole career with the Yankees. It's really hard to say he doesn't get his number retired. But especially with the Yankees, he's obviously getting his number retired.
0: If, you know, 200 years from now, Major League Baseball is still somehow a thing, the Yankees have run out of single and double-digit numbers. Do you, if you're a young player, do you go triple-digit or do you ask for a decimal?
1: Decimal, decimal, one hundred percent. Yeah, right? Decimal. I think that's right? like that's an easy like question. Yeah. Number three point seven. <laughs> you
0: know. Yeah. I wonder if they, I wonder though if they would dis, if they would distinguish like if you could be ninety nine point nine and nine hundred and ninety nine could be the same on the same team, or if or if you'd need like the decimals count as like if just one the guy same guy's
1: point five and one guy's one half, is that the same yeah. number? Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Um Fractions tell, is
0: fractions but, is cool. I think right. fractions well, would be great.
1: The the Eddie Goodell, uh, of course, is the the little person that Bill Veck hired uh, to for a single at bat. Oh right, right, He's right. A, a three and a half foot tall guy, and he wear, wore uniform number one quarter. <laughs> so like a <and>, like, <laughs> they and didn't
0: even got, they didn't even give him a half.
1: No, no, he wore. I believe he was one quarter, which is funny also because like it, it's it's funny to think like, in, in how sort of, like, stuffed shirt baseball can be now, that there was a time when, like – and it's not – it wasn't like it was the dead ball era, right? It, w- it was the 1950s when Bill Veck did that. So it's not, like, like, impossibly distant history that this, like, sort of stunt, that they could just pull out this stunt, like, legally and, and have him on a major league field and a major league roster wearing number one quarter. And the other thing about that is I'm not sure – it's a horrible idea. Like I, I, I really—if you could get a guy, <laughs> seriously, seriously like—and and like I, I don't know one hundred percent why it hasn't been revisited, except that it does seem sort of exploitative.
0: Yes, I think that's. Uh, but, I think that's the reason it hasn't except been you're, revisited. You're making
1: major league minimum, right? You're making major league minimum, and like, like it reminds me of the uh, of the Seinfeld, you know, series with the um and with the. Kramer's little person friend who's also an actor and was unwilling to you know, he was unwilling to wear lifts when the kid was growing up because he was the body double. You know, you'd have to I think that the person the the person you'd hire would have to face some sort of personal ethical questions. But that's for that guy. And and, you know, if he can get past it, having a three foot five guy lead off every single game as a baseball player I think there's some value to that. Starting every game with a runner on base, right, and then immediately taking him out—like, I don't think that's the worst idea at I, all.
0: I think they'd pass a rule. I think Manfred would pass a rule,
1: and say, "I think you're probably right that the strike uh,
0: zone is 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 the strike zone."
1: Well, and 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 you know, I mean, it's it's guys are so good that maybe maybe he wouldn't walk every single time. Uh, yeah, you know. Maybe maybe they could throw him strikes, uh, and then of course you worry about that guy, uh, you know, getting hit by a pitch or anything like that. So so you know, I think maybe the league would adjust, but it's not. It seems like such a sideshow type thing. But if you really think about, like, if you could have, you know, because another another stunt, uh, the in the in the 80s, uh, the the A's had, and I forget the guy's name, uh, who uh, I think it was Herb Washington. Yeah, uh, Herb Washington was in the 70s, and he was a track star, and they just hired him to be a full-time pinch runner, mm-hmm. right? And so he, he played 105 games in his career and never had an at-bat um, and you know wasn't a pitcher or anything. He was just a guy they put in every, single, every game or almost every game uh, for like a season and a half as a pinch runner. So if you can get a, an automatic walk and then have the <laughs> – you know Usain Bolt on first base to start every game, like that—that's a—that's a significant advantage,
0: yeah. right? See, the thing though with Bolt though is his his speeds over that last 30, 40 meters. So he actually right.
1: wouldn't want you actually probably wouldn't want Bolt. You would want, you want like, like a Gatlin type. Yeah, you know, like I remember, well, uh, or like Terrence Gore, who is a guy that the Royals have used on their postseason rosters. Uh, the last couple of, or in the, the previous two years when they were in the postseason, uh, despite like no major league at bats, because he was just so fast on the bases and the minors that they pulled him up to be a pinch runner. Yeah. And that guy told me and I kind of believe him. He was like, yeah, 100 percent in a race around the bases, I'd beat Bolt because I know how to turn the corners and I know how to run the bases. And I'm not, you know, and I'm fast for for 30 yards at a time, not necessarily 100 yards yeah. at a time. But and I think someone like that, like a trained expert base runner plus a guy who's going to get on base every single time, I think makes a really good way to start a game. Like, I think you could – if I'm an indie League team, I'm trying that out.
0: Fascinating. Quickly to return back to numbers.
1: This went what, straight far from
0: the – I know. Jeter. I, well, we'll get back to it in a second. But what I wanted to say about numbers, which what's happening in soccer now is that – so soccer players are, like, crazy about what number is on their jersey because it – the numbers sort of correspond to an identity on the field. I don't know if you knew that. Um,
1: I did not. Wait, I, it just. Can you go deeper into that?
0: Yeah. So basically, it used to be assigned that the number was assigned to basically a position or a role. So if you wore number two, you'd basically be a right back. Um, you know, three was the left back. Four and five were your central defenders. So if you wore a traditional number five, is like a strong center back who will step forward and win a ball a number 10 was meant to be for the most creative player on the field the 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 maestro the kind of the guy who's who's running things um number number nine sort of your traditional goal scorer and for whatever reason so guys are pretty you know if you grew up as a number 10 and your identity is you know kind of wrapped up in that number and then you join a team where they already have a number 10 that can be sort of an issue and what guys have done is they will get the number 91 or 82, and then they will use tape and put a small plus sign in between the two numbers. That's hilarious. <laughs> so a guy will wear 91, but he will actually be 9 plus 1. That's so thus... weirdly petty. That's
1: <laughs> great, yeah.
0: So that's well, like a thing that's happening in soccer now.
1: We have like like major dudes that's done that? Yeah. Oh that's incredible That's yeah, so good. I, i've seen it
0: in the italian league I can't remember who i i, I can look it up but um, so
1: ten is like ten is like the the number of prestige if you're a soccer guy
0: yeah um it's a uh it's it's like a it's a it's you know daring to wear twenty three in basketball eh, sort of not even really i don't know yeah ten is just like it it's you're the you're the guy you're the yeah. the creative force and you know it was a big deal this year when Christian Pulisic, the the eighteen year old American, kind of savior, quote unquote, he came in and agreed to wear the number ten. That was like a that was like a thing, because he
1: agreed to. They were like, "Can you be our number?" Like, 10? do, do you like, want I it? I don't know.
0: Well, it's like, do you want it? And he's like, "I want it." Whereas, you know, Landon Donovan, who was traditionally sort of that player for the United States, he never wanted to wear it because he didn't want like huh. the responsibilities, or maybe just didn't like the number.
1: That's uh, I had no, I didn't know anything about that. See, that's
0: <laughs> well, you're learning that's something. Yeah, yeah and, I just
1: learned something. And, and well, why why wouldn't it be number one? Wouldn't it's just, that's to the goal? It's like that's to be in, Amer- in American sports at least. It seems like the bold number to wear is number one, right? If you're yes. number one, that says something about you.
0: That's a that's that traditionally belonged to the goalie. So the goalie either wears zero, one, or double zero, and that's okay.
1: a, that's always how it's been. Now double zero is for like your your seven footer though.
0: Yeah. I know. Well, uh, it sometimes happens in basketball, right? So, like, um, and I think in hockey, you know, ninety nine. Who, who's touching ninety nine? You don't want to touch right. that. Right. It, it, right. It it comes with too much. It comes with too much responsibility. And twenty
1: three has some of that in yep. basketball, right? Because like it was a big because LeBron switched to twenty three, right? And that was a big deal. Yes. Um. And that was cool. Good for LeBron. I mean, I would kind of. I don't kind of don't get it, right? Because I feel like I would want. I would want to be. Like I would be – if I were a basketball guy and I were cons- convinced I was the best basketball guy, uh, which is far from the truth, I'm actually m- maybe the worst basketball guy. Uh, but I would be like, yeah, I'm number you know 74, and I'm just going to be the – I'm going to make it so other people want to wear number 74.
0: Yep. I think that's cool. But you just right. – al- you also love offensive lines. And that's like a very uh, – yeah,
1: Well, I was number 73 in football. <laughs> so, yeah. You just went up one? I went up one because I didn't want to say my actual number. I don't know why because I felt like I was just giving – I wanted it to be theor- I wanted to be more of a hypothetical than like that happens to be the number I wore. I always wore combinations of sevens and threes, not like superstitious at all. It's just how it always worked out.
0: I was always number three. Good number. Okay,
1: yeah. Three is good. 37, 33, 73, you know, all of any seven, whatever, any any combination of sevens and threes I would always wear.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Okay.
1: Is Let's... that Interesting.
0: I don't think it's interesting. Hey, everyone. Before we get back to the call with Ted, I wanted to tell you about Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans, which proudly supports the For the Win podcast. Rocket Mortgage brings the mortgage approval process into the 21st century. Fast, powerful, and completely online, Rocket Mortgage has taken all the complicated, time-consuming parts of applying for a mortgage out of the equation. Hate searching through stacks of old files and paperwork? With Rocket Mortgage, you can easily share your bank statements and pay stubs at the touch of a button helping you get approved in minutes for a custom mortgage solution that's been tailored to your unique financial situation. Even better, with Rocket Mortgage, you can do all this on your phone or tablet. It's a quick online process that you can manage from the convenience of your couch. So if you're looking to refinance your mortgage or buy a home, check out Rocket Mortgage today at quickandloanscom FTW. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, nlsconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. All right, let's get back to it. We're gonna talk about music quickly, though, Uh, Bryce Harper, What do you buy what the Nats are saying right now, that they've heard what he wants in his next contract, it'll be for 10 years and a gajillion dollars, and they just said, we're not doing that, we're gonna make a run with him for the next two years, and then let him go, presumably to the Yankees, do you buy that?
1: Uh... Not fully. I mean, you know, there's always, there's always like multiple people, right? Um, And it's, it's Bob. It's our, our, our colleague Bob Nightingale had that story. Yeah. And it was, you know, from a source inside the NAS front office. And I 100% buy that, that his, his, his reporting. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. 100%. Um, So it's not that. It's, you know, it's just that I think there's a lot. That what? can change between now and the end of the 2018 season uh, with the Nats and Harper. Uh, you know, with with obviously with with Harper's future. Um, if he puts up another season like he did in 2015, I think the Nats are bending over backwards to give him 10 years and 400 million. and, and if he has another season like he had in 2015. I think he'd be foolish to take that little money, which is insane because it sounds like so much money. Yeah. But I, I, you know, he's going to be one of the youngest free agents in history, um, and certainly one of the youngest, you know, top flight type free agents in history uh, if he is the player he was as recently as last year. You know, and and it could be that he was injured this season in 2016. He did have a bit of a down year. Um, he got pitched very differently. Uh, He he may have you know pressed at times, as they say, you know, trying to uh, be the guy he was, the MVP guy he was the season before. I tend to I tend to bet on guys you know, sort of turning back to them true selves. I think maybe Harper played a little bit above his head in 2015, but he's certainly better than the very good player we saw in, in 2016. Uh, So, you know, I think there's a chance the Nats would be happy to have him at, at 10 years and, and 400 million by the end of 2018. Yeah. Uh, Would I be shocked if he walks? No, not at all. You know, I think that, uh, his agents got Boris has a reputation for bringing guys to free agency you now he dialed he he changed that really for the first time with um, with Steven Strasberg, who is again a member of the nationals. We know that Boris and the Nationals seem to have uh, a very good working relationship. so you know that could be part of it right Putting out okay, well, we don't want to. Uh, we don't want to sign him 10 years 400 maybe that has something to do with you know whatever their latest negotiations were with Scott Boris or whatever the next ones will be uh there's always a whole lot going on you know both in terms of what's actually happening behind the scenes and and what parts of it, it are made public uh I, and i should I, I should clarify quickly that that was what i i was asking but
0: i'm not trying to besmirch bob no, reporting. i totally believe it i i, totally I, I, it. Were. I, I, I just were. i i just wanted to know if you thought this was the nats basically saying we're not doing that, we're going to make a two-year run, or if this is a posturing for I mean, some the thing future is, contract look, the negotiations. Thing,
1: the thing is, with Harper's situation is, is so unusual that the Nats can have it both ways here, right? Like, yes, they absolutely should be trying to compete in the next two years with, with Harper still manageable, right? Because he's going to be a lot less expensive for the next two years. One way or the other, whether they bring him back or not, uh, that salary he's going to command starting in 2019 is going to be a factor in how that team is constructed, and it's going to it's going to change it. You know, so uh, they they absolutely should be trying to contend while they still got uh, well they've got Strasburg, uh, and and he's signed for a while now. But you know, you you can never be sure, especially a guy like that who's had a bunch of injury issues. You can never be sure he's going to stay healthy, and you never be sure that guy's going to stay effective. Uh, this is the peak for Max Scherzer. This is the for Daniel Murphy. Uh, this is the peak for Anthony Rendon. Um, so, you know, while they have all of these guys under contract, uh, it's, it's partly about Harper, right? But it's partly just the way the Nats are built to win. They absolutely should be trying to win uh, within the next two seasons. I mean, that's, uh, they, there are right now, there are like six competitive teams in the national league. Uh, and it so happens that, that, half of the Nats division basically or two two teams are still coming out of a rebuild and the Phillies and Braves I, I don't think they're ready to climb towards the top you know in 2017 uh, maybe 2018 for the Phillies they start thinking about it and being on the fringes but 2017 I think both of those clubs are still a couple years away uh, the Marlins Looked like they might be going in a in a good direction, but I think the the loss of Jose Fernandez, beyond the you know tragic personal level of it, uh, just as a pitcher, is just huge. I mean, that was their that was their starting rotation, mm-hmm. uh, so that's going to set them back. So really, you know, the Nats have to fight off the Mets in their division, and they have you know they yeah they should be doing everything they can to do that. Uh, In these next two years, again, still a team that that since coming to Washington has not won a playoff series, uh, has been a preseason favorite, you know, so many different times. Uh, I think they they need to capitalize, you know, and they've got a a aging owner, you know, at 91 who's who's looking to win much like the Tigers. uh, Sort of the same story. Uh, They've got they've got money to spend. I feel like yeah, they should be absolutely saying we're winning with Bryce Harper under this contract. And then you worry about the next contract when it comes time, you know, if it hasn't happened by now, you can you can wait a year, see how he plays, and then start wor- worrying about that extension.
0: For how terrible the Angels have been with everything, is Mike Trout's 6-year contract extension signed in, in 2014 for 144 million. Is that this the best contract in baseball
1: um it's not it's probably not the best contract in baseball um it's up there i mean there's no you know if you're doing like so fangraphs has a they do an estimate of uh dollars per win right and they say like if you're a one win player or two win player by wins above replacement like for every win on the free agent market you should expect to get about nine million dollars just yep. for being above replacement level, um, which is a hard thing to grasp, you know. And and it's and especially because it's been escalating so much in the last few years. You know, it was it was four million, you know, five to ten years ago, and then it was seven million, and now it's up to like eight and a half, nine, uh, because there's just so much more money coming into baseball and pro sports in general. Uh, Trout is annually a nine-win or ten-win player. Right. Meaning if you were to extrapolate that out, he should be getting like 80 to 90 million dollars a year. Um, and he's getting he's due to get 30 million dollars a year. So that is yeah, that is an absolute steal for Mike Trout, uh, it, which well, is crazy to think of. But that's true. He, Mike Trout. I mean, he's uh, it's different because, you know, he signed that. Uh, while still, you know, in his rookie contract, while while pretty far from from uh, hitting free agency. So, you know, he got the certainty that comes with yep. uh, $144.5 million guaranteed uh, dollars, which is enough to make your entire family rich for, you know, for generations, yep. right? So you can't fault Trout for doing it. But right now, with how good Trout has been, you know, before and after that deal, uh, yeah, that's a steal. Yeah, but- they should be. They should they should actually be paying him like a hundred million dollars a year. Well, that
0: was what I was was I was going to ask if he you know for whatever by some miracle Manfred fl- snaps his fingers voids his contract he becomes a free agent tomorrow. What does he sign for tomorrow with the the Yankees or the Dodgers? Is it ten years, seven hundred fifty million dollars?
1: I don't think he gets seven hundred fifty million dollars. I think that's just too that's that would just be so far. I think I don't say I'm not saying he wouldn't deserve it, but. <laughs> Uh, seriously, I'm not, yeah. uh, you know, but but uh, just he's just been that good, you know. And it's it's like it's like if you try to wrap your head around how much better he has been than basically everybody else since the day he joined the major leagues for for good uh, in 2012. Yeah, I mean, he he really is a guy who might consider giving a 700 million dollar contract to in a sport that has not seen a, a 400 million dollar contract. I do think. I honestly think he might get like 10 years and 500 million yeah. if you uh, I think he that was
0: him. probably I think that's probably right, which is yeah. insane.
1: He's 25 though. He's 25 yeah. and he's he's played he's really never missed a game. Like he's played 159 games the last two seasons. Uh he's been like enormously consistent in just about every way. Um yeah. look at well, like he's,
0: he's built like he's built like a linebacker. I mean, yeah, he's, 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 he's he's not getting he injured mean, I mean, things happen.
1: And, you know, and, I mean, we've seen linebackers get injured. Right? Yeah, of course. You know, like football players last two and a half years. So who knows? Um, but there's no sign that he's an injury prone guy for sure. He's played uh, 157, 157, 159, 159 over the last four years uh, in terms of games played. Like he just does not miss time. Uh, and, and he does not fall like there, you know, there was the little thing. So like two years ago, he struck out a bunch uh, and led the majors in strikeouts. And he, and he's kind of a, a strikeout prone. If there's one hole in his offensive game. He, he does strike out a lot. Uh, it's part of a trade off you make. Cause he also walks a ton and hits the ball hard the time. He hits it. Um, but it seemed like, okay, well maybe someone has figured something out uh, and, and Mike Trout, we've established some sort of hole and, and, and we're going to be able to strike out Mike Trout a lot. No, it's just not like that. Trout's always going to beat you eventually. So, you know, then that strikeout rate has has now plummeted in the last two years, and and he's walked quite a bit more. And so I kind of feel like he's bringing the Mike Trout stuff to every single game, and the results just uh, sort of follow how well he's defended and how well well he's pitched.
0: All right, let's talk music. Yeah. 50 best albums.
1: Fifty. See, I'm. See, this is again. This is a great example of somewhere I'm more interested in the list in concept than the actual 50 how did you all right, listen let's, to 50 yep. albums this let's, year
0: let's flip let's flip it let's flip it let's do the handoff right now you're interviewing how did me you, now
1: uh, yes okay because and and this is good because I, I probably won't be nearly so contentious with any other guest <laughs> right but good. i want to start out as doing some hard-hitting interviews all right let's go how did you have time to listen to 50 new albums
0: we ta- year? we've talked about this i have a I like live. To to I show. live in. I live in downtown Washington D.C. And listeners, come buy me a beer sometime. I'm around. Um, well, not downtown. I live in Logan Circle, and I work in Tyson's Corner, uh, Virginia. Meaning, I have a anywhere between twenty-five and forty-minute commute every day, uh, two ways, and I don't like that many podcasts. To be totally honest, no, I'm that's hosting the bad one. I
1: get. I, I, no, I don't. I mean, you should be listening. I, I would hope that. If and when you start commuting again, you will just you will exclusively be listening yes. to things i say yeah uh but, but yeah
0: I, you know, I I do listen to I, that's unfair. I do listen to a few podcasts however um I just you know I, I I used to be a music writer i I remain connected to that scene i've written quite a bit about music i I do the ten best songs of the week column here i I have done that for the last few years, and that sort of keeps me plugged in with all the new music that's coming out that week it sort of forces me to research and and you and know and it's
1: convincing like i you know i've read i've read a lot of this and it's yeah it's obviously well written and it's very convincing that you know what you're talking about <laughs> like i buy it
0: yeah i it mean just,
1: I, for I, me see i think that i listen to albums maybe i don't know and you know and i'm not i'm not saying this is right or wrong it's just i think everybody sort of enjoys music in their own way and for me it's like if i love an album i want to listen to it like Forty times. Right. And and I will just wear it out and then sort of move on rather than be like, oh, I got to I got to find something. like It's so rare, I guess, that I find new music that I truly enjoy. Um, yeah. and, that, and I don't mean just new music in terms of new stuff coming out. I mean, in terms of anything, like anything I haven't listened to that, it's like, wow, this really, uh, you know, just gets me that when I find that, I will just basically listen to it until I'm sick of it and then try to find something else, whereas it it doesn't seem like you do it that way.
0: Well, I will say for some, you know, basically, so I have my commute both ways, and then I usually get home before Future Wife, and so I've got, and I usually cook dinner, so I've got probably 40 minutes there to listen to another one. And I will say, you know, some of these albums on this list I've listened to probably twice through this year, um, Savages is one that I, I really admired. Um, this that's number forty on my list. Adore Life, which was you know a really kind of breathtaking, but also sort of challenging and piercing album that I was sort of like, wow, I really admire this, but I don't know if this is something I would you know throw on while I'm you know cooking pasta for dinner. Um, same with a couple other albums on this list where I'd listen to once or twice just because you know I get sent albums in my inbox and I throw it on either at work or something like that. Everything in the top, I don't know, 15, I've listened to anywhere between, you know, 10 and in the case of the number one album, it's really, I've listened to it twice a day for, I don't know, months now. Um, And that's Worry by Jeff Rosenstock, which I think a lot of, I don't think a lot of people have heard of it.
1: Never heard of it, and then I played the song that you included, in it, and it was kind of a jam. I'll credit you with that. I liked it. <laughs> I was like, "This." Is, I, I was like, "Ah, oh, not about." I'm not about this for a while, and then the saxophones came in, and I was like, "Okay, this is pretty cool." All right, this is cool.
0: Well, Rosenstock, for those who don't know, and I'm just gonna plug it because whatever. I named it my my number one album of the year, and and I'm really was absolutely blown away by this album. And I will say, it wasn't one that I, I put down my first sort of thoughts on this list a month ago. And this album was, I think, 35 on the list. I was like, oh, yeah, this was great. And then I listened to it again, and then I listened to it again, and all of a sudden it was like, man, this might be in my top 20. Like, oh, this might be in my top 10. And then over the last three weeks... Wait, wait,
1: hold on. I'm reading your... Yeah, go on, go on, go on, go on. I got something else to say about this. Um,
0: But by the end, you know, when I was sitting down to write this week, it, it just became crystal clear. It was like, this is absolutely the album of 2016. This is the one that... I don't know. And, and granted, you know, I'm the only guy who did this list. There wasn't a ton of differing opinions. I'm sure there, that, you know, if we did it that way, this would not be the number one album because it didn't resonate with everyone this way. But for me, at least this album was was the closest that not only was it amazing and brilliant and and covered so many, you know, genres within punk and, and sort of within pop rock and indie rock. It, it just sort of was like, oh, this is this is the album about what it's like to be alive in 2016.
1: Well, what I also want to say, and I didn't realize this until I just went to the guy's uh, Wikipedia page, Jeff Rosenstock, I think I have probably met this guy. I'm sure These, you have. He was in a band called, and I don't know if I can say it on the... Say uh, it. He was in a band called The Arrogant Sons of Bitches. He was the lead um, singer.
0: Punk ska ed, band. And, and
1: those guys, like uh, some of those guys went to my high school. Yeah. Um, they were they were a few years younger than me and like I knew, so they always played with uh, kids know, uh, in a band called Premarital Sax, which was another <laughs> ska band like sort of on that scene and like I know all the kids in Premarital Sax. I actually taught one of them trombone uh, like when when I, you know, they were a few years younger than me and I was working in like the, the school, summer school program. Um, so like I, I, I that's funny. That's, uh, it's just, it's weird to me. This is from like, this is hyper local for well, me to like the South shore of Long Island music scene, which I was, I was part of in like sort of, and, and I wasn't playing Scott, you know? So, and, and like Scott had sort of come and gone by the time I graduated from college and, and came back and was playing from on Long Island. But, uh, that band, the arrogant sons of bitches, they were just like, they were just around like they, they were, yeah. I mean, they were, they were a big deal. Like they were, you know, better than the bands of the people I knew, but they weren't like the, they weren't untouchable. You know, they were yeah. just like some some kids I knew from the town. You and
0: know? that's, and that's, you know, Rosenstock got his, st- I mean, he's part of that sort of punk ska scene in Long Island. And those are not cool genres, you know, like these aren't. <laughs> you,
1: you leave Long Island out of this. Well, right, sorry. You
0: know? I mean, yeah. this is, I mean, this isn't, I mean, this guy was not, one of the buzz bands of the early aughts, you know, he was sort of... Oh, making... well,
1: that makes me like your list much more. Oh,
0: good. Well, you know, he was he was making this music and he was releasing it, you know, he, he started in 98 sort of releasing music online for free. This is years before Radiohead did it, and then everyone was writing articles like, oh, Radiohead's changing the music industry. It's like, uh, Jeff Rosenstock's been doing that for a decade now. Um, and... You know, he he sort of brought that, he was one of the first people who kind of brought that DIY, you know, do-it-yourself punk ethos to the internet, and, you know, this was his first album where he actually, like, had some time in a recording studio and actually got to kind of lay it down, and and it's not only about kind of getting older and watching the world change and, and also kind of confronting your feelings about the internet and the, this thing that seems so magical and had so much potential, and now we in 2016. It's like, oh, we might have created something horrific that we didn't even understand what we were doing um, and, and come into terms with that. But also the, the second half of the album is sort of a retrospective look back on his career and touches on so many different genres of, of punk and ska and, and rock and everything. And it, for me, it was just I, I just I can't stop listening to it. It just it just it's such a, a beautiful album.
1: Well, I will check that out because now I know it has a a connection to, (laughs) to like, my hometown. And, like, yeah, now that I know, I have, like, I, you know, and, like, now I'm, 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 like, yeah, I mean, it's not like I, again, not like these people are friends of mine, right? It's just, like, people who were around the same town as me and I was playing music and they were a few years younger than me playing music. My, uh, actually, like, my, my. My best friend in high school's younger brother, who's still a musician today, was always uh, never really in those bands, but always kind of playing with those bands. So I would see him play and stuff like that. Uh, so, yeah. So now that I know there's a personal connection,
0: uh, even, <laughs> you'll however, my, loose. You'll give my chance. Loose. You'll give yeah, my pick a chance. Well,
1: I, like I said, I liked the song that you that you shared there. Um, I also want to note about the Long Island music scene. And, and you know, you mentioned the Punk Scott thing, which was happening. Uh, that gave way... To uh, a much bleaker world of emo, which was what yeah. was going. On. that was what was going on in Long Island when I, after I graduated college, I started playing in a band that was like a very strange, not at all emo, like uh, like ego funk band. Like all of our songs were uh, like weird, odd meter songs about how cool we were. Um, and you know, I don't know. We we would play with some like some hardcore bands and bands like that sometimes uh, every once in a while you'd get to a show and you would just see a bunch of kids sitting outside like smoking cigarettes with awful haircuts and you'd yeah be like, oh, what, what band are we playing with today and i'd be like oh it's it's surviving sunset and anticipating yesterday and you're like uh oh uh-oh. i think we're <laughs> playing an emo show guys and then we would really alienate those people with our music, and that was fun. Hey,
0: there are a few emo albums on this list. This is—they're talking the fourth wave, man. It's—it's it's back. It's back in 2016.
1: Well, and and a guy I know actually really well from growing up was uh, Mark O'Connell, is the drummer in Taking Back Sunday. Yeah. Uh, awesome wow. dude. Awesome drummer. Yeah. Great so, band. Like, it's, there are very few people in this world where it's like, I'm where I'd be like, I'm cool with that guy being a rock star of someone I knew because my envy is so great that <laughs> I would. just resent everybody's success that guy is one person where it's just like no i'm 100 percent cool with this guy being a rock star he deserves it he's an awesome guy always wanted to be a rock star from day one from when we were jamming in his basement on punk songs when i was in seventh grade or whatever so like good for that guy and i've told him that as much like if i run into him at the train station now
0: nice well yeah man anything else on my list you want to ask me about
1: um, point me in the right direction here, because like I, you know, I look. I'm not, I'm, I'm sort of an old guy, right? In, in taste and in in actual age. Yeah. Um, and I find that I think probably right around thirty, I've sort of just stopped finding new music and just like really hunkering down behind the, the stuff I have. Um, but I'm, I still wanna, like, well, I, I still wanna yeah. listen to music, and yep. I still do just... Go on. You're a funk guy. I, I like it. funk.
0: Have you heard the new Childish Gambino?
1: Uh, I have not. I heard it's so good. And uh, that guy, Donald Glover, is so extremely talented. Like, that show, Atlanta, is just outrageously good. Yeah. So that so, show is so good that I would do... I would, I would pay attention to anything that guy does.
0: So the album is incredible. I... I I couldn't include it on my list because I'd already sort of set my list and I've only listened to the you know I've listened to the album once through because it's it came out last week and I just I just didn't have time so apologies to Donald Glover like he even cares however um, <laughs> uh, I I do address that in the intro why Gambino was left off but you should you should listen to that also Anderson Pack this year released an album that. Um, you would love. That's extremely funky. Um, but the the new the new Gambino, um, Questlove called D'Angelo at four in the morning, woke him up and made him listen to it. It's that good. So
1: yeah, if you're calling, yeah, and because like let's let's not pretend D'Angelo wasn't busy at four o'clock in the morning, right?
0: So <laughs> yeah, woke uh, <laughs> yeah quote yeah Questlove woke him up. All right, yeah, Questlove. Yeah, woke him up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, all right. Well, Ted, man, I'm gonna go eat lunch. This was a blast. I'm yeah. I'm so excited for for you and for the future of the For the Win podcast, and everyone just keep going, getting it in the same place. It, it's still on iTunes. It's still on all that stuff, and and and. Hey,
1: and now's a great time to write your reviews about how much you hated Nate all There
0: you go. Write reviews and say I'm glad Ted took took is taking over and subscribe on about iTunes. How
1: time seriously,
0: um, yeah. So But Nate, so, hey,
1: thanks for thanks for having me. Thanks for uh you know, passing the passing the torch. I, I, I appreciate it. But I was under the impression that you were gonna do one more, on and Friday because I wasn't planning on that. I can. Right. I can, but we're, no, were
0: I'll, you I'll I'll do a I'll do I'll do one on Friday and I don't know A we'll, final farewell. We'll maybe do some greatest hits and I'll call up some, some old guests who've been on the show a ton and, and or something. I don't or maybe I'll just Just get super. Read from read from my journal for for my dream journal for an hour.
1: Yeah, that's I like it. I like it.
0: All right, man. Ted, always a blast, and uh, we'll talk
1: soon. Yeah. Good luck.